Here they come! Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday, dear Effectively Speaking Podcast. Happy birthday to us. Yes, hello, and welcome to episode 104 of Effectively Speaking, as we mark our second year anniversary. And who better to have along but the very first co-host, Matt from Neozaz Productions. And I thought the logical choice of subject could be from the sequence that starts our opening theme, the Millennium Falcon's escape from the Death Star in Star Wars. Come on, come on! Switch over. Let's hope we don't have a burnout. Hello, Matt. Hello. Hello. I was going to open this by just saying Groundhog Day um, because I was looking back at it and it was about this time, exactly two years ago, that you and I did our very first podcast recording for this show. You know, it's fun. I mean, that... uh, uh... That's what am I trying to say? That you've told you told me that it was the anniversary date. It's where the anniversary falls. I don't know why, and maybe it's just because of the material. I always remember this show starting in the summer, and I think I relate that to the fact that you've covered so many summer blockbusters that there's like a summer underlining theme to the series. Having it start in the midst of winter and the holidays is just seems that doesn't seem right to me, but I will I look at the dates and you're absolutely right. It's very weird to think that we're two years in the midst of this time of year. I tell you the reason why we started when we did, and it's all down to uh, Dave from Neosaz Productions, because this show, we owe it to Dave, because Dave, on an episode, I think it must have been in about like October, November of Star Wars in character, at the end of the show, I remember him saying... Get in touch, you know, if, if you've got ideas for a podcast, you know, uh, we'd like to hear it. And it was th- hearing that, and I'm thinking, ooh. And that's when I contacted you, and, oh, and yeah. so that's when the ball got rolling. So it would have been a podcast around about October, November, where Dave actually gave me the idea. And that's why it's, you, you know, we recorded in December 2016, and uh, and it all went from there. Right, right. Yeah, no, I remember when Dave was uh, starting to, um, I, I want to say... I guess promote's the only way to say it. It sounds like we're we're selling something, which we're absolutely not. But I remember him suggesting that I should say he mm. had a run of that for a few months. So yeah, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, I kind of remember that whole sequence. Not yet. Well, of course, you also just explained it to me. Maybe that's why I remember it so well all of a sudden. <laughs> but besides that, I remember it. <laughs> yeah. So so here we go. Here we go. Uh, birthday um, uh, edition. And yeah, like I say, I thought it'd be nice to have you back because you were the very first co-host. Right. Um, and and also cover the sequence that actually starts the show, the, the Here We Come from Princess Leia, the uh, escape from the Death Star in the first Star Wars film. Right, yes. I don't think I've ever heard you mention in Star Wars in character or anywhere um, your rating of the Star Wars films. Is this, hmm. your, is this your top one? No, I mean, I, I think uh, Empire is a pretty safe top one that's i know that's like in my generation uh almost a cliche thing to say but it is it's i 
the story, the new additions, the settings, the uh, the 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 uh, what's the the, the uh, not world building, but the the mythical aspect they brought with a little more at the Force and Yoda. That's just always my favorite. But Star Wars is a close second, and man, that's. Uh, Trying to think. I guess I don't know. I don't know what my third is. I know you're not asking me to rank them. I'm trying to think no. them. But start, I'll say the original is a close second, and just leave it at that. But I mean, real close. When I say close second, that's kind of the point I was trying to make. It's a real close second. I mean, it's you can almost combine them into a tied number one with Empire just being the first one, barely before it. Yeah, I think I've said before. I mean, this is my favorite one, and mm -hmm. you know, um, and I. I like it because, I mean, it's the exact opposite of what you've just said there. Um, Empire Strikes Back, you know, um, it elaborates. We get to learn more. We get new characters. We get new settings and everything. But what I like about the first Star Wars film is when I watched it, you know, there was never going to be a second one. It was just one film called Star yes. Wars. Yep. And it's a perfect, I've said this before, it's a perfectly self-contained film with a brilliant start, brilliant middle, brilliant end. The good guys win. The bad guys have lost end of story now when we're in like episode eight and episode nine and these poor heroes of ours are never going to have a happy ending are they you know they <laughs> make, make horrible deaths and yeah you know I, I i back in 77 78 when i watched that you know it's a happy ending they all stand there they get their medals the end you know and and to me it is a perfect self-contained story just like raiders lost ark when that came out there was never even any thought there was going to be a, a second and a third and god forbid a fourth you know same with superman you know i love all these films i i i think back to when i saw them in the cinema and that was it that was the end you know and i like i like that about these first films in these what are now trilogies or franchises if you like yeah yeah the first one it's it's definitely the one of all of them that you just kind of watch on its own because you said there is an ending you don't if you show that to someone that's never seen any of the star wars films there's he he may walk away wanting to see more but he doesn't have to see more no yeah empire absolutely ends on well probably the biggest cliffhanger in all of star wars so it's uh yeah that's that is um that is probably well i mean i guess these new ones are a little bit but those aside the star wars is the only one that you can watch alone and walk away from and mm. be done if you want it to be why you'd want to be that's another story but uh <laughs> but you could <laughs> indeed indeed all right well let's focus let's stay on target as <laughs> as, uh, as they say um so um you know i thought i'd do what uh we did when we've spoken star wars before which is uh, i watched the blu-ray but then i went back and um watched the original version that's on that on that uh, extra discs that's on that DVD that came out a few years mm. ago, you know, and just see if there are any differences, okay? Um, there wasn't that much, actually, uh, but I'll mention them as we come across them, all right? Okay. Coming up on their sentry ships. Hold them off. Angle the deflector shields while I charge up the main guns. <laughs> Yeah. 
the door kid Luke does and that's where we get our first um, uh, change because when Luke blasts that door, door control panel and those big you know uh, angled doors close cutting off Darth Vader uh, yeah in the original version um, I guess they just forgot they didn't have time to actually color in Darth Vader's <laughs> lightsaber so he's got a white lightsaber hasn't he yep and that has driven me nuts for ages because i think even in the special edition the theatrical release it still wasn't colored in no no it looks just like he's holding a fluorescent tube yeah doesn't it, you know <laughs> but now yes on the blu-ray yeah it, it, it's decidedly red so yeah there we go um so they all run up on on board they all run to get onto the uh, millennium falcon and of course there was no interior to the full-size falcon prop i mean when they ran up that ramp it's a it's a wall basically. There was just a bit of like a landing area there where you know the actors could stand and not be in shot. But yeah, that didn't actually lead anywhere when you go up that ramp. Mm, okay. Mm. And uh, Han gets in the cockpit, and we get that brilliant line of his. You know, I hope the old man got the tractor beam out of commission, or this would be a real short trip. Yeah. <laughs> hit it. Okay. Now at this point where he goes hit it, every time I watch this film, I'm taken out of the film. Um, and the reason for that is, did you have the story of Star Wars on LP or cassette, you know, back in 78? Uh, no, but I, I mean, I've, I've heard it. I didn't own it, but I've, I've certainly heard it. Well, I had it on cassette, okay? And, of course, back in those days, you know, pre-video and when the cinema had stopped showing Star Wars, that was the only way that you could experience Star Wars. Yeah, you could read the Marvel comics, but to actually, you know, get anywhere close to experiencing the film again was to listen to it okay? right, right so i played it over and over and over again I, I i must have worn that tape out i don't know if it ever snapped in fact i actually i think i might still have it upstairs somewhere <laughs> but by the time the film came out on video and you know i as, as i say i used to listen to it over and over and over again and up in my room when i was making my models i even you know um would listen to it on the cassette player in my car when I learned to drive. I'd listen to it over and over again. But when it did finally come out on video, I had listened to the story of Star Wars far, far more times than I'd actually seen the film, right? Right, yes. yes. And, and I'd gotten used to it. And because that's my problem I've got with watching the film now is a massive change on the story of Star Wars was they had to trim a lot of the stuff out to get an okay running time to get it onto an LP, yeah? Yes. And if you listen to the story of Star Wars, and I will put it in, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it in um, round about here. Ben? As they race to the ship, Luke catches sight of Ben and freezes just as Vader's sword strikes the old master. But the Dark Knight has no victim. Ben has disappeared. Only his empty cloak remains.
Luke continues to fire at Vader's troops as the others board the ship. Run, Luke, run! Luke heeds the voice of the Jedi Master and runs aboard. I hope that old man got the tractor beam out of commissioner. This is going to be a real short trip. Okay, hit it! The Falcon accelerates into space, but now Luke and Liam must fight off attacking Imperial fighters. Here they come! When Han Solo says, hit it, we immediately get that bit of music, okay? So, and that's so ingrained in me now that when I watch the film, as soon as he says, hit it, I'm expecting that John Williams music. <laughs> you know, the bit that ha- happens just after Princess Leia says, here they come. I'm expecting that. So, so I miss that now. When I watch it now, I miss it. I much prefer it that way because, you know, straight away we're into the action. But instead, you know, we, we have the Falcon backing out and blasting away, don't we? Right, yes, yeah. yes. So it backs out of the hangar, it turns around and it blasts away. There's a change there. They've enhanced the glow to the engines. The engines glow a lot brighter now, okay? And uh, so they blast away. Chewbacca is talking to Han. I can't tell. Harrison Ford, is he embarrassed or is he just bored? Because that look he gives, he, <laughs> it, it's not in keeping with the action scene that they're in, are, is it? Yeah, it's we've we've talked about Harrison Ford's uh, early performances on the show. It's it's hard to tell. I'm not sure if that's just uh, him still uh, cutting into the character, or if it was some kind of uh, subtle uh, display of something that didn't quite come across. It, it it's a it's a coin flip in those early days for Harrison Ford. When you see him in a minute, when he gets into the, you know, the gun turret cockpit, you know, and he's quite energized and everything, you know, but here he's either bored, he's embarrassed, yeah. he's drunk, or he's on something. It's it, <laughs> There's something going on there, you know? Um, yeah, it's his charisma. It's either on or off. It's yes. like there's no gray area in the 70s for him. Exactly right. Yes, yes. And uh, then we cut to Mopey Luke, um, yeah. At that chess table, mourning the death of this bloke he's known for what two days? Has he known That's, been over for like two days? There's a fantastic uh, robot chicken bit uh, for that, and it's, it's it's Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. It's it's about it's five six years old, and they they reenact that entire scene up until where Luke says, "I can't believe he's gone," and then Princess Leia goes, "Oh, you can't believe that old man you've known for two days is gone. I lost everyone I knew in my entire planet." And then she just keeps going and going and going. It's really funny. I had not thought about that. Yes, yeah, she's just seen her whole planet blow up. <laughs> yep. And 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 yet she's caring for this guy. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. And why does she put a blanket around him? He's not in shock or anything. Why does she put a blanket around him? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a mu- one of those uh Motherly, motherly instincts oh, to maybe. coddle them. I don't know. Oh, I don't or know. maybe sisterly at this point, now in hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> but Han comes along, luckily, and he breaks the mood with this whole, come on, buddy, we're not out of it yet. And I like the fact, something he's just mentioned in the cockpit to Chewbacca that I'd never have really picked up on before, and it's nice, but I don't think it's ever referred to again, is the fact that the Death Star has got sentry ships. He says they're coming on up onto their sentry ships, doesn't he? Yes. So there is a cordon of like TIE fighters surrounding the Death Star, isn't there? There must be. Yeah. That that must and... be what the Falcon flew through when it 
first encounter the Death Star, you know, um, um, when Ben says, no, it's a one-man fighter and it flies overhead. That must have been one of the Sentry ships as well. Right, yeah. But you never see that mentioned again, do you? No, but for some reason, and this must be, it might, it, a lot. it's funny how many of the cutscenes in games stick with me. I know I've absolutely seen a, a shot, and it's not from any of the movies, and, and including the new movies, of, like, uh, Star Destroyers in orbit of the Death Star and then TIE Fighters further around that, almost like a ring system. So it's it's not it's one of those things where whoever made that scene, for whatever reason, took this, you know, one little bit of Star Wars, mm. which a lot of these people in the, that have built the Extended Universe are very good at and built upon it. So even though it's never mentioned again, it meant something to somebody else enough that I know I've seen it again, oh, but it right. was something as small as a game. But still, the fact that, you know, and it was recognizable to me because of the, maybe the memorability of this scene. Right. It just the, uh, kind of stuck in my stuck in my memory all that time. So it was, it was recognizable, but still new. Right. I didn't know that. But that's nifty that someone's taken a line and they've extrapolated from that. And mm -hmm. Yeah. But my, my next question is, is if there is... You know, uh, say say the the Death Star is circled by sentry ships. Wouldn't the X wings, when they attack the Death Star, have to encounter them before they actually got to the Death Star? Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> but as you know, when you're podcasting, you think about things far too much. Instead of just sitting down and enjoying the ride, you uh, you look at a sequence and and questions Absolutely. come along that you've never ever thought of before. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So he says to, to Luke, come on, buddy, we're not out of this yet. And he gets to the ladder and goes up, and Luke goes down. Next question, again, thinking too much. How does Luke know what to do here, that he has to go down and operate a gun turret? He's a farm boy from a desert planet. How does Luke know that you, you, you can't say, oh, it's the Force, because that's a cop-out. How does Luke know yeah. how to work a gun turret? I, I can't remember seeing a gun turret, a quad gun, on the Lars Homestead. Can you? Well, uh, if you really want to overthink it, like I do, he was about to submit his application to the Academy, which makes me think he may have studied what he's going to be doing there, so he might have done some kind of simulation, maybe even some kind of hands-on training at an extension class in at Tashi Station or something. So I think he had the knowledge of, uh, the basic knowledge of these things existing and how to use them, although this might have been the first time he's actually ever done it. That is a brilliant answer, and I wish I'd thought of it. Yeah, no, he would have. He would have been reading up on manuals and stuff like that. You know, there would have been like quizzes or, or exam tests and stuff to right. for, for his application. Yes, yeah. Never thought of that. Oh, well done, Matt. Um, <clears throat> so they go down. Well, he goes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> he goes down the ladder. Hand goes up the ladder. Right. When they get in their gun turrets, they're um, that. That there must be small gravity wells in these gun turrets because when he's going down to the to the ladder, the the seat is pointing at a, a different axis to the ladder. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, we. Oh man, it's funny you bring that up because when I kind of I went through a phase of rediscovery of Star Wars. I mean, I saw them all when they came out in the theater. And there's the toys and everything, and Kenner tried to prolong it after Return of the Jedi best they could. Then it just kind of went away. And it wasn't that I disliked it. It's just that it wasn't in the internet didn't exist and all these other things. So it wasn't as in my face as it is daily It is is now. Go to a friend's house. He's got the VHS tapes, which I had never had. Uh, we're talking like, let's say, uh, probably early 90s. Mm -hmm. 
So, and then we watched Empire Strikes Back first, and I was like, oh my God, I forgot how much I love Star Wars. Then we, then we watched everything again. This scene that you mentioned, like, caused us to stop between watching Star Wars and then jumping to Return of the Jedi because we were discussing, trying to figure out, maybe in a bit of an inebriated state, trying to figure out exactly the physics of what is happening in those two turret wells and how they're turning around and commute because there's times where they look back and forth at yes. each other and we're like sitting there sketching it out trying to figure out where we know where the stuff is on the ship where's the seat pointing in relation to the gun that's firing at the ship that the tie fighters that we clearly saw coming at this angle we spent entirely too much time on this and never figured out what exactly is going on physics wise here it it is very confusing because luke climbs down the ladder but when you see him sat in his seat his ladder is now horizontal behind him, yes <laughs> but when when you're watching this film in 77 you're just as i say along for the ride um and you don't think about things like that it just looks cool doesn't it yeah mm. and i'm gonna assume and you might if i'm jumping too far ahead to behind the scenes i'm gonna assume and maybe i'm wrong i'm gonna assume they only made one of those and filmed those guys separately it, it you is. never see them both at the same no time. no it absolutely is they only they only made the one it was Good old Roger Christian um, set dressing that with bits of old aircraft and whatnot. And um, yeah, yeah no, they did only make the one. And yeah, they filmed, you, you know, one of the actors first and then the yeah. other one. It, uh, why, why would you make two? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's just kind of just throwing money away on a budget that yeah. you don't have. And it works fine without it, without having two of them. <laughs> exactly. And it looks terrific. As I say, Roger Christian, he, he pioneered this use of, you know, using scrap aircraft parts to dress sets and but it looks functional you know everything looks like it, it's um got a job to do and it's there for a yeah, reason i was just gonna yeah i was gonna say it so it looks like everything in there will do something yeah it's just not there to be there yep it's not too much and it's not too little it's, it's just the perfect amount of stuff yeah that you don't have to see work because you get enough of a sense of what's going on in there that you know it it must do something or else it wouldn't be there. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was talking to Roger Christian for, you know, I think it was the 50th episode of this show. Um, he was saying, you know, it, it's not just a case of stick it on. You've got to make it look like it does something. So, so you combine shapes and put them together and, and make it look natural make it have a, a a pleasing aesthetic flow to it unlike what they did on star crash which is basically just hot glue <laughs> anything onto a wall here there's been thought given to it and i'll tell you what i like about it as well it isn't just a case of you know sticking things on the wall painting it gun metal and that will do i like the color palette in this you've got like red panels you know you've got gray you've got white panels you know it's not just a case of spray some bits silver and stick them on the wall you know it mm -hmm. it, 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 it looks terrific it really does Right. Yep, I agree. Yeah. So, and I like this seat sequence because, you know, everything's working. You know, they're, they're getting in their seats. Han Solo, he puts his uh, little headset on. Are, are you in, kid? You know, and uh, I like the John Williams music, you know, because it's building up the tension. And, you know, they're getting ready. You know, they're plugging things in. They're switching on the targeting little uh, devices and everything. It's all building up. I mean, they could have done what they did in Sound of Star Wars and go bam straight into action but i like this because it's building all up the ship the ship's rocking because you've got these little explosions as the tie fighters get nearer and I, and i like this little pause that we get in the action before it kicks off big time it's almost a uh ethereal is that I, i'm going to use the word ethereal because it's it's more a, a little more light a little more uh, high end, uh, high pitched as far as the the high notes of the music. Mm. It's almost of an ethereal version of the Jaws build up of from John Williams. That is a good 
Good point. Yes, it, it, it almost is. Yeah, yeah, the beat of it and everything. It's like a high mm-hmm. a higher note version, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's what I've I it, I wouldn't say that hit me the first time I saw it or even the second, but like again, doing these shows and and almost making Star Wars a study, it, that dawned on me one mm. day. I was like, this is the same it's not the same notes and it's not the exact same rhythm, but it's really close, but this is the same idea I think he put into to Jaws. He's doing that's the same part thing. Of Jaws, the, fam- the most famous part of Jaws. The music wise. Yeah, he's doing the yeah. same thing, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we go to the cockpit and uh, Chewbacca's patting at the controls. I love the way he's just like thumping them. <laughs> yeah, that's. He's not really working. It's like he's playing a piano. If you watch that, it looks like he's playing a keyboard rather than operating yeah. the controls for this spacecraft. And uh, that's, yeah, that's when Leia does her, you know, here they come. And, um, and off the battle starts. And I love it because immediately you do get that. And um, and this whole sequence is brilliant. I mean, it's just superb. The the editing of it, you know, um, the music of it, everything is cut perfectly. It really is. I I wish uh, there'd be a way. I don't know. There, I'm sure there probably is a way if you have access to the entire original edit of this. I I would like to see this sequence without the music and see how much it changes it because the music and we. I think we discussed this. In our very the very first episode you mm-hmm. had me on doing the Star Wars, that the music is probably one third of this scene. You have the uh, audio, the video, and the music. Even though I would call that, you know, that's audio, but you have the sound effects, you have the visual effects, and then the music. And I think if you took that out, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be quite as exciting. No, 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 no. Than it is with it in. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right there. Absolutely right. And I especially love that flyover shot. There's a flyover shot where you see the Falcon through the cockpit uh, uh, window of the TIE fighter, don't you? And uh... Yes, okay. <laughs> there's a, you said flyover shot. There was a, there's another one that I would classify as a flyover shot that I think is uh, not doesn't hold up quite as much on multiple viewings as when the two TIE fighters kind of streak across the top of it and the model of the Falcon is clearly not moving mm. in. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just standing still. <laughs> but I always think of that shot when, when you see the Tie Fighter window and you see the Falcon through it, and and you got the green uh, blasts. Yes. Are you are, are you old enough, Matt, to remember a time where you saw Star Wars and then it went away? This thing that I'm talking about, and you never saw it again. And sometimes it would appear on TV, and you would just latch onto it immediately. Were you old enough to remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I always think about it when I see that shot. There is a, a music video for Madness for their song "The Return of the Lost Palmer Seven, which for some reason I, that, that I still don't know why they decided to put clips from Star Wars into it. Okay, there's no reason for it whatsoever. It's it, that, that that song. Are, are you familiar with that song? No, actually, I wrote it down. I was didn't want to look it up because the music might start playing right. over my recording, but I wrote it down to check it out when we're done. Check it out afterwards, and I will put a link on YouTube uh, to it on the Facebook page. But it's an instrumental. It's, it's the only instrumental that Madness did, and it's basically the whole uh, video is just them just sat around uh, in a cafe in London just having something to eat, all right? Interspersed with football clips you've got bobby moore in the 66 you know world cup final and things like that and bizarrely shots from um star wars you've got han solo's shootout in mos eisley yeah. <laughs> and you had this bit and so i always used to watch top of the pops waiting for them to show this because 
I could see a bit of Star Wars again, you know, right. by watching a yep. music video. That is a strange world now to think that we would get excited by like two seconds of a music video. You know? I know, I know, considering how much, I mean, we could, yeah, I mean, I could look up every everything we're talking about and more in, like, and, and get a backstory on it as you're telling that story. Mm. Whereas back in our, when we were kids, we'd have to wait eons and eons for even a glimpse of the movie now yeah that's that is crazy i mean that's why we latched onto the holiday special wasn't it that's why we watched the holiday special it's <laughs> true yeah because we watched... that was, that's the only piece of well that's not true up until recently that's the only piece of star wars where i actually asked my parents do i have to keep watching this <laughs> um who knows what's going to happen when nine comes out as well yeah right. yeah <laughs> all right okay all right so um i've got a small niggle here Okay, and um, again, it's it's solely due to the fact that I'm looking at this scene too much and thinking about it too much, right? Which, the TIE Fighters are attacking the Falcon. Whenever you see the Falcon, whether it's moving or not, like you say, right? The TIE Fighters are on the same horizontal plane as the Falcon, aren't they? They fly over the Falcon, they fly underneath the Falcon, they attack the Falcon. They go left to right, same as Falcon, or right to left, same as the Falcon, okay? But when you see Han and Luke firing, okay... They are going left to right for them. Now, if this was true, if, if, if we were going to be accurate, Han should be firing up at the underside of a TIE fighter and Luke should be firing down to the top of a TIE fighter, shouldn't he? Right. Yes, yeah. you're right. I'd never noticed that, uh, but now, yeah, now that you've pointed out, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. But that's a silly little niggle, okay? But I just thought I'd point it out, okay? Um, we get that terrific "Don't worry, she'll hold together" uh, line uh, from Han Solo. Yeah. I mean, Han Solo in this film. I think this is the coolest Han Solo ever is in any of the Star Wars films, and in little excerpts like this where you've just got one line. He is so cool. His delivery, yeah. you know, the way he comes across. This is Han Solo at his best in this film. I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, I agree. Uh, that, there are a couple of editing choices, though, just just around this bit. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a couple of like unnecessary moments where you just see a shot, a reaction shot of, say, Princess Leia. You have like a second of just her face or a second of Chewbacca's face. Do you notice that? It's, it seems a bit odd. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a couple things that when I look at it like frame by frame, it's they're not odd, but a little out of place or a little make me think a little bit but i think at the time they didn't at all phase me and i think it's because it's just a nice little way to break up the the action yeah. and and put a put a bit of speed to it so but you're right i mean when you look at it now after having seen it many many times you can point these things out but i think it was a really good editing editing choice for our first viewing of the movie because i think it breaks everything up and gives more action to it by adding more faces and more things to see and more things to for your eyes to just kind of catch, distract you, and then back to this. So, I mean, we've watched this movie endless amounts of times, so things like this stand up, but I bet you it didn't even occur to us our first couple of viewings. I bet I didn't notice it, what, the first 20 years of watching it, you know? Yeah, right. It's only yeah. now that I noticed that, yeah. I'll tell you what, when I first watched it, and, and every time I watch it, I've, I've never liked... You know, um, how Han, you know, he's happy when he blows up that first TIE fighter. But when Luke gets the second one, he shuts him down, doesn't he? Yeah, You know, he tells him to not get cocky. Yeah, that's... I, <laughs> that's a bit rubbish. Yeah, I think, yeah, but I think that's a good Han Solo bordering on narcissistic 
moment for him. I think that's perfect for that character at that point in his life. I think that is completely in character. Right. Okay. All right. Um, And it ends with the final, um, you know, TIE fighter blowing up Um, for the Blu-ray. They didn't, they didn't do one of those silly, you know, massive explosions like how they changed the destruction of Alderaan and they put that Star Trek, you know, Halo yeah. thing coming up or anything say, like that. I was just, I'm surprised they didn't, they didn't put a Halo in the last TIE Fighter one just yeah. for dramatic element as well. I'm surprised <laughs> or, that didn't or, or you see the TIE Fighter pilots come past the camera or something like that. No, they don't do anything like that. <laughs> all they've done is they, they, they've enhanced the colors a bit. Okay, but that's all they've done. And uh, our sequence ends with Tarkin's uh, line to Vader about um, are they away, uh, followed by the line that makes a whole nonsense, in my opinion, of uh, episode eight. Tarkin says to Vader, are you sure the homing beacon is secure aboard their ship, right? And later on, Leia says, they're tracking us. That's the only way we could have got away so easy. And yet in episode eight, they're all like, you know, mortified and shocked and astonished to, to, to find out that, you can track a ship through hyperspace. But the Millennium Falcon is in hyperspace. Yeah, it's just true. jumped to hyperspace. And Tarkin, in the very first Star Wars, says, are yeah. you sure the homing beacon is secure aboard their ship? So, episode eight, yet again, complete bollocks, in my mind. <laughs> what really bothers me about that scene is that, well, there's a couple of things. One, did you think not to mention this during any of this, you know, skirmish? But the fact that she's like... When everything's done, she's like, we did it! And she hugs Chewbacca. Then it's like two seconds later, they are tracking us. It's like, wait a minute. You're just super excited that everything was okay, but you knew this whole time. Princess Leia, circa Star Wars. Oh, she is something else. Yes, yeah. Well, well, that's it. That's our sequence done. Um, And you know the the, the deal. We go on to behind the scenes. You being a big Star Wars fan, you being, you know, uh, a a member of Star Wars in character, I'm sure you know everything I'm just about to say. All right. So please bear with me. All right. You know, for instance, that originally Ben wasn't going to die um, just before this. Yeah. He was going to be seriously wounded. But he wasn't going to die, okay? And, uh, yeah, um, George Lucas had to break the news to uh, um, Alec Guinness, um, you know, that uh, he, he, he wasn't required anymore. But he, he was on, you know, a, a, um, a percentage of the merchandising <laughs> and stuff, wasn't he? So, you know, he was a rich man after this. So I wouldn't have grumbled too much. I, I like the, the term break the news. From all, all information available, it doesn't sound like he... Guinness would have been too well, unhappy grumbled, to didn't never he? do he this again. During the making of this, there are um, clips <laughs> yeah. of him on Parkinson and other chat shows. You, you, you know, and while he's on the promotion circuit for Star Wars, basically saying, "Well, it's just gibberish. It's just nonsense." You know, the lines I'm spouting yeah. are just uh, rubbish. Yeah. Um, did you know though? I didn't know this. I don't know if you know this. This uh, battle, this escape from the Death Star that we've just been talking about. It was never meant to have happened, okay? Originally, they were supposed to just leave the Death Star, and that's it. And then they go off to Yavin, okay? Um, did you know that? No, but I mean, I could see where that would actually work no, in the story th- flow as this well. this battle that we've just been talking about actually was supposed to have happened when they first encountered the Death Star. When they come out of hyperspace, they find the remains of Alderaan, right? They see the Death Star... That's when they get attacked by the TIE Fighters, and then they get pulled aboard the Death Star after the battle. So this was actually supposed to happen before they got on the Death Star, not just as they left it. 
Oh, okay. Oh, when you put it that way, actually, that makes a little, maybe a little, maybe a little less, less sense. It's hard to say that now, knowing the movie flow as well as we I do. Can't, so I can't see it working sure. because if you but, have this battle we've just talked about and they destroy the TIE fighters, but oh, a tractor beam's got us and it pulls them in, you know, they get pulled in. Then right. you've got the whole line about, oh, escape pods have been jettisoned, you know surely then they would start looking for the escape pods just outside the Death Star and realize that that's a ruse. So I can't see how that would have worked, right. but never mind. All right, what what next have I got? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's hard, especially knowing it as well as we do to see any other way. But you're right, too. It doesn't make really much sense in no, no. Um, story flow. Next up, um, the targeting screen animation, that lovely grid pattern, you know, that comes on and goes around. And, of course... This is before computer animation, so that is traditional cell animation, you know, of doing that. Did you know it was overseen mm, yes, by okay. Dan O'Bannon? No, yeah, I had no, no idea. Dan O'Bannon, you know, that. the uh, co writer of Dark Star, and he was in Dark Star, and also the guy who came up with the initial premise of Alien and wrote the first drafts of Alien. That was Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, yeah. Because he had a, oh, he had okay. a background in special effects, you, know, you I see. I love that addition. Just because it's like it gives the the fact that they're they're in a spaceship, so there's got to be some kind of technology. It gives a little touch of technology. It actually adds another. Just it break. I was just talking about breaking up the scenes. It breaks up the color scheme because everything is like gray, black, and white up to this point. So you get a little splash of color to again help with the pacing. But when you look at no. what's happening on it, it makes no sense. No, I have no, no idea what's You're happening on that screen. Right, the reds and the yellows are a nice contrast to everything else that we're seeing. But I, I tell you, I still like it because it's not date. I, I like oh, it yeah. because it's not dated. You know, because it's not some some late seventies. You know, very very crude. You know, Pong style. You know, um, computer animation. It holds up. It's such. A, it's such a funny. Um... What's the word? A choice of design too, because I think it's supposed to reflect the mm, like yes. the targeting area and like pick off different quadrants. But it starts off with like these two panels that stretch out and then a little circle in the middle. And the the first thing I thought of was like, oh, it's drawing a Tie Fighter. This is what you're targeting. But then turns out has nothing to do with it. So it's just like this strange coincidence that it has the same basic shape elements as the thing they're targeting but really that is that's not what's happening so if you really try to make sense of that, that see thing, I, I never got really that quick. at all i just assumed that the circle in the middle is like the falcon and the grid around it is the range of the quad guns yes which makes sense yeah when you if you don't go down the wrong path of tie fighter everything falls into place much quicker. I unfortunately saw the TIE Fighter and went, what? what is going I, I, on? I share your I pain, Matt. It. Yesterday I was saying to the children, we were driving along and we drove past a house and uh, the house number is 101. And I was saying to the children, whenever I see 101, <laughs> I see a TIE Fighter. I don't see the number 101. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. We're, I'm with we're you. such geeks, aren't we? Dear, oh dear. Yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> uh, the backing out, that terrific moment when, you know, uh, the Falcon backs out, um, that was a last-minute idea of George Lucas's, all right? Um, it was always a big puzzle how the Falcon was actually going to get out of the Death Star, even going back to the very, very, very first drafts and the early pre-production paintings by Ralph McQuarrie. Um, 
in the very first versions, the Falcon docked on Alderaan. Okay, there was a scene where the Falcon goes to Alderaan. You can see the Ralph McQuarrie painting, I'll put it on Facebook, of you know the original version Falcon in this docking bay. But that was on Alderaan. And they used to joke even back then, well, if it comes in through the door, how does it get out? Does it go through a tunnel that goes all the way through Alderaan and out the other side, you see? And it was, yeah, it was George Lucas's idea right. for it to uh, back out like like it does. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever done it on YouTube, but do you think anybody's put that scene up and you've got a reversing beeping noise when it goes backwards? Someone has to have it. So it's it's a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, someone has to have done that. I mean, I, I, I'm surprised yeah. it wasn't in Spaceballs, <laughs> but someone has, has to have done that. If they haven't. I'm ashamed at the internet with all the other okay. crap that's on there. That, that now isn't, there was a, sp- on there a special motion ca- uh, <laughs> motion capture rig was built to allow the Falcon to reverse, you know, turn and then tilt and then go up. Okay, now these motion control uh, computers it usually took twenty to thirty minutes to program um, a shot, but to do this one because it was so complex because it had to back out turn on its central axis, then, you know, lift up onto a vertical axis and go away. It took the best part of a day to actually program the computer to do that. You could do that on your phone now in, like, five minutes, mm. but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the the Falcon that you see uh, as it backs out, and that, that's the big one. That's the five-foot Falcon model. Have you, have you ever seen what's actually written on the back of the Falcon? Do you know about this? No. No, I don't. I... I... No, nah. something's ringing a bell, but I don't. I yeah, don't on the on back it. of it, at the very back, as it turns round, on the very underside, on the back, there's a a, a vertical uh, plate, and um, the Wagzer ILM. Um, they put on drive safely. There's actually a logo that says drive safely on the back of the Millennium Falcon. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. No, I, I don't, that does that's not mm. ringing a bell. I guess I, I've not. So there you go. It. Uh, that's it. That's behind the scenes. Um, so. What do you think of it as a sequence um, now, Matt? What would you give it out of 10? Okay, well, I mean, it's great, especially with the music and the action and everything, and I would love to give it a 10, but we Hmm. gave the opening sequence a 10 because of the other perfection of it. I'd say the only thing about this that is, I'm not even going to say a problem, but but uh, doesn't hold up is some of the shots that I mentioned of the Falcon and of the exterior shots of both the Falcon and the TIE fighters. There's once you've seen it several times, you've noticed that the Falcon isn't moving and that the TIE fighters and everything's a model. So I, and this is me nitpicking because the first sequence we talked about in Star Wars is so perfect that I'm going to give it a nine just because of these little things that don't hold up, but it's a very, okay. very, very strong. Um, I agree with everything you say. But not as generous. Um, I give it an eight. Okay, um, so that that gives it an eight and a half. All right. Okay. Yep. That's on, and that sounds sounds good for we, this. We have yet to do a Star completely. Wars uh, sequence that is below what a seven and a half, a seven. Um, sh- uh, eventually, we're going to have to do a Duff um, Star Wars se- uh, sequence. You know, uh, to for balance. Yeah, and I'm trying to trying to think what trying to think what when that. Could... It, Oh, it could be. <laughs> I know. I think the worst sequence ever. Well, it's uh, everything I pull is from special edition. It's a oh. stormtrooper climbing off the dewback outside the most likely cantina. It's probably the worst that, thing ever put on Star Wars poor. film. Yes, that. 
I, I thought you were going to mention the um, where, where you see the Jew back when they you know looks uh, droids bit, but no, that is even worse. Maybe maybe I have your back, Matt, for that, and <laughs> and we'll um we'll, we'll we'll talk about that stinker sometime, shall we? Because I I do yeah. have, I <laughs> okay. do have you back for stinkers. You know, we, we we've discussed some stinker King Kongs and things. <laughs> yes, you we? do. Yeah. yeah, and Buck Rogers and stuff. So maybe that'll be the next stinker you do for the show. All right. Sure. I, I, I have just as much fun talking about uh, less than that's classic clips put, as I do these classic, classic clips. <laughs> All right, well that's it. That's uh, <laughs> our birthday episode over. Thank you for coming along today, Matt. Oh, thank yes, you for having yes, me. Yes, Happy yes, birthday! Thank you, thank you. And, and massive thanks, of course, to you because if it wasn't for you, you know, this show wouldn't be going out. Uh, in the first place, and you know, I've 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 been putting you know a load on you for two years. I'm I'm very proud of the fact that we've done two years worth of having a podcast out a week. And of course, I couldn't have done that without your commitment and your attention to it. So thank you very much, Matt. Yeah, and also thanks oh, to welcome. all our you know terrific co-hosts that we've had over the two years. Yeah. Um. If it, it originally I wanted a it was a goal of mine to see if I could do a, a year of uh, a podcast a week for a year and I got to that and then I thought oh maybe I can stretch it out to two which we've achieved so yeah yes um, but now I've done it I, I think I'm going to take I'm going to put the brakes on a little bit okay so uh, um, okay. <laughs> just to put, put uh, ease off a bit for you and for me and for our co-hosts okay um, I don't have to tell you how exhausting it can be mm-hmm. you know um, to, yeah, and you don't want it to become you don't want it to become something you don't look no. forward to because then it, that kind of negates starts to negate the point of doing it. I've been there. I'm there with a couple shows. So, and I think anyone that's ever put effort into producing something like this understands as well. There'll be yeah. two or three people that complain, but they've not put anything out like this. So I, I wouldn't like complain. to do one because I'm obliged to do it. I want to do one because I want to do one. Okay, exactly. Yeah, uh, I, I, yep, I know some of our well listeners, you know, they like the fact that, you know, they can depend on a new episode every Wednesday. And, and, and th- thank you, everybody, for your support. But I am going to slow down a bit now. It will still be pretty regular. I, I, I can guarantee at least one episode a month, most probably more per month. OK, so um, and sometimes maybe up to the old, uh, old amount of four a month. So stay tuned. OK, podcasting is such a weird entertainment venue and the fact that it seems you you are more forgiven for stopping doing a show completely than you are for missing a week i I have realized this yes yes having said so um (laughs) blake seven in character the other podcast that i do that i think will continue to be weekly and and that's solely for the fact that me and ian enjoy it so much you know and it's our sunday afternoon tradition to uh call each other and talk about blake seven for an hour or so 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 uh, i i yeah. think the momentum will continue on blake seven in character but we're just scaling a, a, a little bit back on effectively speaking and that's it i completely understand and i do i just wanted to say I always, i've always i said before uh blake seven's and in, in, blake's blake seven in character was ever a thing that i always enjoyed uh the episodes that um 
you and Ian had done because you were, I, I really enjoy your two chemistry together doing these shows. So having a series of hearing you two, even with a subject that I admittedly <laughs> know zero oh, about very much. has been fun I'll, to listen I'll, I'll to. I'll pass that on to Ian. All right. Okay. So th thank you for today, Matt. Okay, thank great. you everybody out there. Thank you for your support, all your kind comments on, on the Facebook page. Um, on uh, iTunes as well. Thank you for anybody who's commented and left uh, reviews and star ratings. Thank you, everybody. Uh, that's two years over. Here's to the next two. Okay, so thanks, everybody. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, and bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.